Welcome to Everything Went Black Podcast. I'd like to welcome Ryan Begley of Shirts and Destroy. If you're a fan of music and like to buy t-shirts and other sorts of uh, merchandise and you're not familiar with Shirts and Destroy, do yourself a favor and check out the website. Uh, before we get into it, I just want to give um, you know my rundown of uh, various affiliates. Um, if you're in the market for uh, hemp training equipment, bags, uh, you know, shorts, grappling shorts, things like that, check out Datsusara. Uh, if you're checking out the uh, everythingwentblackmedia.com website, you can just look to the right, and there's a portal to the Datsasara site. A while back, I had Chris on the uh, podcast, and uh, we kind of talked about jiu-jitsu and training and um, just uh, sort of being an entrepreneur. He's a really cool guy, so if you can support him, that'd be much appreciated. And also, uh, one of the biggest uh, places I drop my hard-earned dollars is with uh, Onnit Labs. So if you're, in, if you're interested in health and fitness, um, exercise equipment, kettlebell training, DVDs, uh, that sort of stuff, just uh, go to Onnit. And um, I'm an affiliate of these guys, so you know I get a little, little taste if you spend some money there. So that's cool. It's a good way to sort of pay forward and uh, support the podcast. And also, uh, you may or may not know, we're available on a couple of different platforms. Uh, iTunes, of course. You can stream the podcast directly from the website. You can also find us on a sort of lesser-known uh, platform called Mixcloud, which is really uh, geared more towards DJs, but you'll find a lot of podcasts on there. And uh, keeping with the DJ theme, um, I've been posting a bunch of different playlists and mixtapes by myself and various other people. Uh, Lena Dawes, who was a guest uh, a little while back, she uh, she put together a really cool mixtape as well as uh, Lucid, my friend Kyle, uh, so you can check it out at Mixcloud. And also on Stitcher, which is my favorite streaming application for listening to news and other podcasts. So um, anyway, Ryan, thanks for coming down tonight. Thanks for having me, Mike. Appreciate it, man. So, um, you know, the world of merchandise, as uh, you know, the music industry continues to implode upon itself, uh, you know, and less and less people are... Well, actually, I don't know if that's true anymore. I think vinyl might be saving the... Uh, you know the the music industry. Is it that? I mean, <clears throat> is it that much? Do people? I mean, I know people buy records more than they buy anything else, but I feel like that's 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 people have been telling me. I know yeah. that I know that over a relapse, uh, they take it a lot more seriously than they used to. Yeah, we. I mean, we actually we sell we do sell LPs, and I mean we. There's a couple of bands we've done. You know, we'll do an LP and a CD, keep those in stock, and the CDs sell way less. You know, and I think I mean. CD sales have obviously been down really far since like '05, but but yeah, we, we I feel like it's a it's a small it's a really small community. It's a small market, but it's loyal, you know. Yeah. I mean, I know I, at home I I only listen to LPs. I don't listen to I don't even plug an iPod in when I want to listen to music. I just listen to vinyl, you know. So I guess yeah, I get it. But with that said, merchandise is becoming more and more important, and uh, your company shirts and destroy. A nice play on words of you know. Sir- Search and destroy, you know? Yeah, I was surprised that URL wasn't taken when I bought it. Really? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Huh. <laughs> it's like someone else must have come up with this. There was a Merch and Destroy, actually, at the time, a website that was already called that, but it was just, like, blank. There was nothing on there. I don't think anything ever happened with that. Yeah, sh- uh, Search and Destroy, uh, pardon me. Shirts and Destroy is way better than Merch and Destroy. I thought so, too. Everyone it thought, almost doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, I know. Everyone, I mean. everyone was telling me at the time, like, oh, you should you should try to get Merch. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I like shirts. It sounds more like Search. 
Yeah, I don't man. know. Yeah, I think you chose wisely. Good. So that brings me to your company here. Um, you know, you guys consistently are producing like really high quality uh, merchandise. You know, because like you know, being in a band, I understand like you know you want to keep costs low, and you know people tend to cut corners and. You know, you got to make money when you're on the road, and when you're not on the road, you got to sell stuff through your store. And uh, you know, it's as as a band guy, it's tempting to sort of go with like, you know, yeah, maybe we'll cut corner here. Sure. But um, shirts and destroy seems to maintain this like level of quality. So um, yeah, I mean, when 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 we started uh, like late '06, early '07, it was uh. That there was a we saw a void, you know. There was there was a lot of really shitty band merch out there. I mean, especially with larger bands. I mean, I think with with you know underground metal and hardcore bands, like that's they've always been more. They've always taken their merch a little bit more seriously and personally, and paid more attention to you know to how it was produced and who was who was creating the imagery and all that stuff. And there was we just saw like I mean. I had done a bunch of t-shirt designs and illustrations for record labels, and I had a bunch of friends that had, were in the same situation that were doing that. There's not a lot of money in it, and you also, it was really rare that you'd even get your name on something. So you finally get to do this, these shirt designs for some bands, and you finally, they go up for sale, and you'll go check them out, and your name's not even on them. You're like, God damn it, like, I barely got paid anything to do this fucking thing. It took me a week, and my name's not even on it, you know? <laughs> so we wanted to do something that was like... Just simply to give people, give the artist credit and like sort of document what's going on, you know, like this, here's this band and this artist and they made this together and here it is and, and sort of step up the level of, of quality that, that really should be there, you know. I mean, I think when bands, around that time, that was when CD sales and record sales were just dropping like a rock and so there's no, there's no way for bands to make any money except for selling merch and that's, that's really all you've got. So where did uh, you, you you originally you guys started up in uh, in Massachusetts, right? Yeah, in Salem, Mass. Yeah. So you want to give us a little rundown of those early days? Yeah, at the time we were uh, we were actually we were sharing an office. There was this office space in Salem that was uh, Deathwish, Bridge Nine, uh, Kenmore Agency, which is a booking agency, and um, there was another like another small record label called Perfect Victim um, and Liberated Screen Printing, which was. There were, we were all in the same space. We were, like, divided by this half wall, but we just had one big space, and we were all sharing it there. Um, and, of course, like, printing the shirts for Death Wish and for Bridge Nine, and, and that was when the company first started. We were trying to just bring in as many people as possible. Um, and then we just, you know, we had a lot of friends that we were doing shirts for. We were bootlegging a lot of stuff just for ourselves. And uh, just, you know, it was like a, we had the we just had an opportunity like we're we had all this equipment we had all these friends who were artists and you know we designed stuff ourselves and we figured why not you know if anyone should start <laughs> screen printing shirts and selling them it should be us now did you have uh, any screen printing uh, experience prior to doing it? it was all learned sort of on the fly no i i, I had just about none i'd like made some like really shitty like homemade shirts for bands that i was in when i was younger you know like exposing the screen in the in the closet and like washing out in your bathtub and like you know printing like doing like 12 shirts and the emulsion just starts scraping right off the screen so you like scrap and do the whole thing again and then you sell them and then they wash off and kids complain but like 
professionally, I didn't have any experience. I started, you know, washing screens in the sink at this place and then just started doing more and more stuff. And there was like three of us at the time. So we started sharing all the responsibilities. I learned a ton and then, um, started designing more, printing more. And, uh, you know, we hired a few guys underneath us, and before long, we were all just running this company, and it was getting bigger and bigger. Did you have any uh, background in art or design? Like, did you go to you know, go to school for any of that sort of stuff? Yeah, I I went to art school and never graduated, uh, <laughs> much to my parents' dismay. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I I didn't take I sort of I went to school and I didn't I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, and so I sort of took everything. You know, I took a bunch of different kinds of printmaking. Uh, took uh, bunch of different illustration classes and painting classes and like just anything and uh couldn't really figure out what I wanted to do and uh you know I didn't really start using a computer or doing like any actual real design work until I was you know already working at the screen printing shop and uh you know I was out of college for like four years at that point was it mass art or museum school or was uh, it, it was the art institute of Boston oh, okay yeah which is a shitty school. <laughs> so, but did you, you know, did you get any skills, you know, anything you can, you, you know, directly apply to what you're doing or? I mean, honestly, the, the most important thing, well, I went to Maine College of Art for the, my first year and then I transferred to Art Institute of Boston. And if I could go back, I would seriously take, I would take two dimensional design and maybe like one or two illustration classes and just fucking ditch the rest. Cause the most important thing you, you'll ever learn is basic basic composition like we had this class where we would sit there and move like pieces of black and white strips of paper like black strips on a white page we just sit there for like two hours and slide them back and forth and just like watch what happens you know like and then we moved on to dots we had like Dang, <laughs> i don't even understand dots. like the point of that like what it's it, that's the most important that was the most important lesson i ever had in composition uh, design, balance, anything like that. You know, it's just like just looking at the at the most basic composition and figuring out what happens when you move something slightly left. You know, okay. right, center. Like, what does it do to the space? You know, just basic, basic. Where do your in- I'm sorry, man. Where do your interest in art come from? Like, you you like a you know you into comics or you know do you like those uh, you know Frank Frazetta paintings or anything like that? Or like what? Love Frank Frazetta, yeah. Like I mean. All that stuff, like you know, that's a, and that was the other thing too about going to going to school. Like you know, I learn about <laughs> learn about all these famous artists. You learn about Matisse and like all this stuff that was super interesting, obviously. And like you know, none of that stuff jazzed me at all the way like Frank Frazetta did, or like Raymond Pettibone, or like Pusshead, or any yeah. like none of that stuff really got me. Like when I was when I was a kid, I I saw a Mike McGill skateboard, and that changed my life and it's it's still like that had more impact on me than anything else you know than four years of school every art history class i took every fucking slide i I memorized nothing compares to like you know those those bold graphics that you saw like as a kid that really pulled you into something that like pulled you into music or pulled you into skateboarding like the stuff that you really connected with they were like i want to like what is this i want to get into this like that was the stuff that really I mean, that li- it literally changed my life, that stuff. Like, VCJ, like, uh, Jim Phillips, like, those those artists that were doing graphics for, like, Santa Cruz and Pal Peralta, and that was the stuff that really, literally changed my life. Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, you know, they're, you know, coming 
from my background too, like I don't have an art background, but like, you know, the sort of populist art, like comic books and album covers and yeah. Frank Frazetta paintings and whatnot, you know, that, that sort of looked at as like lowbrow, you know what I mean? Of course, it's yeah. Not, there's no real content, you know, but as time goes by, I feel like that stuff's just getting woven into the fabric of like the greater, you know, creative, uh, tapestry of artwork. You sure. Know? It's like nowadays people, I mean, Raymond Pettibone is like, Take it seriously. Now, yeah, just I mean. give just give it time. That's it. You know, I mean, look look at what happened to Banksy with like stencil graffiti. You know, like that <laughs> that yeah. became the hugest thing ever. And like you know, serious art collectors are buying his pieces for I don't even know how much thousands. But yeah, just I feel like it just needs with all that stuff too. It like as soon as it becomes a signifier for a culture, and if that culture becomes, you know, like you said, like woven into like society the mainstream society people know what it is then they want like a little piece of it you know yeah yeah i mean in the 80s with like uh basquiat and like yep, a lot of, of those like new york guys like yeah. they you know started out these kind of fringe type people and then you know the, the wall street types wanted to have a cool thing to hang up in their apartment right you know and, and some curator decides at some point this is this is the next thing you know <clears throat> so they come in and they tell everyone with money you got to buy a Basquiat if you want to be taken serious as a modern art collector. And yeah. that's, you know. Yeah, Pettibone really kind of bridged the gap for me, man. Because, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, is the first thing I think I ever read was like a, a Thor comic book or something. You know, like I've been into comics my entire life. And, uh, you know, that sort of marriage of the image and the written word together yeah. has always been something very special to me. So when I first started seeing, um, you know, Black Flag Records, you know, with that stark, you know, striking, you know, very nihilistic artwork combined with, you know, this, this text, you know, the text had been like reduced down to its barest essence so that it right. has the most, most impact possible, you know? Yeah. Like to complement the music. To complement the music right. perfectly, you know? And, and, uh, you know, that's what really, I think, put the hooks in me as far as, you know, the music art relationship, you know, which I think... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've we known each other for a while, so I mean, we both, I think, agree that art and music, you know, they're like, you know, two two sides of the same sort of trip, you know what I mean? It's like they go, they complement each other well. Yeah, you know? they have to be appropriate. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. one of the things I really dig about, you know, about the company, about Church and Destroy, is that, you know, it's, you know, I mean, over the years I've worked with a lot of different people, like to make merch and stuff, but, you know, it seems like... When I, when I speak to you about doing merchandise, you you know you understand, and also some, my, my dear friend Thomas Hooper works with yeah. you guys, and you know, and uh, you know that's like one of the most important things. And it's you know as I get further and further down the road with music, you know the imagery and all that stuff becomes more and more important to like the whole presentation of the thing. You know, yeah, especially when it's like it can be so good, and it can be like why not make it that way? You know, like I like I never I never got like man, you know. I mean, there's, there's, there's record covers that'll ruin a record, you know, like you, you, like you, you, you I can think it. of one particularly right now that's, that's, you know, it's with, with, in reference to Raymond Pettibone, like that last quote unquote black flag album cover. Oh yeah. Completely ruined. I mean that it was dubious to begin with. The Cause that's music, what pulls you in. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, yeah. And that, that's, that's the first thing that you associate with it. And if it's wrong, it's just wrong. You know, and I, I just, I never understood bands that let it get away from them and didn't give a shit about it. That just would like throw something together. I mean, when we were at, at the print shop, we, we'd have, we'd have like these larger bands that would put in these tour orders and, uh, 
they would just like throw something together on the fly. They'd be like, I don't know, put a fucking skull on it and yeah. write this on the back. And they wouldn't even ask to see it first. Like, Who don't give a shit? Just make you know seven hundred of them. Like we're going to warp tour. It's like, how can you not? How can you not give a shit? Well, that that's, that brings up an interesting point because I feel like some of the larger bands. Like I remember getting a Slayer shirt. Like um, I don't know, like ten years ago maybe. And you know, I had I had some I had some classic Slayer T shirts from back yeah. when I was a kid. You know, yep. like this awesome like you know. That, sketchy like eagle they have and you know oh, yeah. satanic Wehrmacht and all this you know yeah. really borderline like stuff you know but uh, and then like I got this other one and it wasn't even didn't even have the Slayer logo it was like oh it was the Diablos in Musica uh, oh tour. yeah with like the the priest kind of yeah, cover man. thing yeah and it's like they basically just took the image off the album cover and slapped it on yeah and like a low almost like it looked like low res and it looked horrible because at know? that point like the band probably never even saw that they have a merchandising company this yeah. huge merchandising company that's just pumping this shit out and they're not they want to hold on to every penny they can totally. so they're just having these interns or whoever like this design team in house just like crank this shit out you know and they don't they're just pulling from like these these folders of, of art files and just throwing the cut and pasting and throwing the shit together. Like if you have a, if you have the Slayer logo, how do you not put that on your fucking it's so like, shirt? It's such you know? an icon, man. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's, this is it's, the best shit ever. Like, like whoever made whoever made that decision to not have that you know classic logo on that right, record should right. be like smacked, man. Yeah, That's I mean, like, it's, it's someone just trying to make some money. They're 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 because they're, they're, they're probably thinking like. You know, like, oh, we need to go after people that are a little bit on the fence about this, that don't want, like, that they think that this this other logo is too aggressive or, you know, like, it's just, they're trying to appeal to more people. Yeah. And you, you're just watering down shit. So you're, you're a native of uh, New England, right? Yeah, I grew up in Massachusetts. Yeah, okay. What was your entry point in a hardcore? Like, what was, uh, you know, was it like the DIY style hardcore or, you know? Yeah, I, see, I, where I went to high school, there was... I grew up in a place that's pretty misunderstood, actually. Uh, whenever I tell people where I'm from, I get this fucking reaction that makes people really? just knock their fucking teeth out. Okay. Where are you from? I grew up in Martha's Vineyard. Okay. Most people, when they hear that, they think that it's like a yacht club, you know? They think that, like, I, my parents are rich or, like, that I grew up with, like, a beachfront property yeah, and, like, right. with a fucking sweater tied around my neck sure. and, like, you know, like, prancing around in dockers and shit, like, playing <laughs> golf. But, like... That's not, that's not what it, that's not what it's like. Um, and it's just a, it's a small town like any other small town in Massachusetts. It's just cut off, literally cut off from the rest of the world because it's separated by some water. Um, and my, my dad's a carpenter and my mom worked at the hospital and she wasn't a doctor. Like, you know, it just came out of a regular, regular home, regular childhood, you know. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing really different about where I grew up was that like, I mean, it's just, it's just secluded, you know, it's this tiny little place that doesn't have like Walmart or Target or like, we don't even have traffic lights, you know, it's this, it's this weird, like kind of frozen in time, little small town. Uh, but yeah, so I, I grew up there and, uh, you know, as you can imagine, like there's, there wasn't, there wasn't a punk scene there. There was, there was nothing, you know, like sure. there was, so I was, I was literally that like, you know, when I get into high school, um, and I started like, you know, I'd like, like listen to Nirvana and stuff like that, listen to Metallica, all these, you know, and then started getting into more like underground ag aggressive music or just wanting to get into that stuff. And there's, there's nowhere to go. I mean, there's no, 
there was a record store that just had like you know the typical mainstream major label releases and like yeah. there was nothing there was nowhere to go for that stuff and uh i literally uh i would have to go off the island and go to boston or go to the cape go somewhere to go to go to shows Newark comics or but like, like yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and like Newbury comics in cambridge uh i had some i met some some friends that lived in cambridge so i used, I used to go to cambridge and boston all the time when i was in high school and uh i went to i went into uh Newbury comics I didn't, and I, the thing is when you don't you don't know anything you don't even know what you're looking for you know you're just like blindly walking into this record store just mm-hmm. like looking for shit you know there's no internet you're like <laughs> you're just trying to find stuff Exactly. In a haystack. And I remember going to the records, going to seven inches and just like flipping through and looking for cool covers, you know, like, just like, yeah, what's exactly, this, what's that, right. what's this? And they, they had the turntable there. So you could like, right. you could grab something to go listen to it. So mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be all day just like grabbing records and like, this looks cool. What's this? You know? And, uh, I remember I went to the U section and I found a uniform choice okay. record. Okay. I listened to that. I did. It was like, eh, like, this is kind of corny. Like <laughs> not really my thing, but like. Remember, I bought that record because there was, like, stuff, there was, like, songs about, like, Straight Edge and stuff, and I had, like, stopped drinking at that point. I didn't even know what Straight Edge was, but I just was it. Didn't even know that it was a thing. Were, were you ever, like, a fully embracing, like, that whole trip of being Straight Edge? Did that come, like, later? Or? No, see, like, I, when I was, like, a freshman in high school, I, 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 there's, like, just, like, stuff that happened with my family, and I, like, I decided I didn't want to drink anymore. Sure. Um, and, uh, and I did, but I didn't know that that was a thing. Like I didn't, yeah. I didn't even know about straight edge. I had no idea that existed. Sure. I also at the time decided I didn't want to eat meat anymore. I didn't even know yeah. that like, you know, I didn't know about earth crisis. I didn't know okay. about any of this shit, okay. but like there were just things that I just decided I was like, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm not comfortable with that. And, uh, and so, and then once I sort of finding these records and zines and stuff, I was like, this is, this is crazy. Like there's other people out there that are thinking about these things or that have these similar opinions about this kind of stuff that I do, you know? And of course, like just dove head first into it because in my high school, I was literally the only one there who was remotely interested in anything like that, you know, in punk or hardcore or anything, you know, it's like the sore thumb in my school. Um, so yeah, like you were, you were a comics man, just for anyone who, uh, out there who, who's not, from like the Northeast or specifically New England, um, was pretty much like the New England method of, at least back then, like of distributing underground music. Yeah. Really, I mean, I don't, I, I haven't been in Newbury Comics in like probably about ten years. Yeah, me neither. Um, but I know back in the nineties, like if you wanted a record, it, it was, was pretty awesome. much there. It was awesome. Know? Like you could find anything there, and yeah. th- and that's how I found all this. I mean, I went back to the U section looking for another Uniform Choice record yeah. and found Unbroken. Oh, right. Found yeah, an Unbroken okay. record. Right on. Yep. And, like, uh, like, you know, I was like, oh, I, like, look at this. Like, this record looks cool. Listen to that. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's a little fuck. Bit more, you know, like, a little more on, on point, I think. I wore the needle out on that thing, yeah. like, just listening to that over and over again. Yep. You know? Yeah, I used to work in Newberry Comics. Like, Which I, one? I lived in. Uh, well, I, li- I worked at the warehouse. When oh I yeah, in, yeah. I lived in Boston. It was like yeah. everyone worked Every, there. Yeah, you, I was, you and was, everybody. <laughs> yeah, at the time I worked there, it was me, Mike Gallagher from you know ISIS. Oh yeah, the yeah. Iron Hike. Uh, Aaron Harris from ISIS. Yep. Uh, Cliff from ISIS. Yep. <laughs> a couple of guys from Blood for Blood worked yep. there. Yep. Um, that was my first show actually. Blood for Blood. Blood for Blood at the Rat was the first show I ever went to. Yeah, I, I can't say I'm a fan of that 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 band. Oh, I just it was yeah. I mean, I'm 
I wasn't either. Yeah. But uh, it was like you know a show like yeah, back when I was like show, a band is playing and I'm going. Yeah, <laughs> you totally, know? man. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I a large portion of my record collection I bought there because you know as an employee I got like this massive discount. Yeah, yeah. So I remember back then there was these Melvin seven inches that came out that you know they had those like um, Death's Heads on them. Oh yeah, you know, and they were like super super limited and like. You know, they never even made it out of the warehouse. Yeah. Like, they came in and pretty much me, Aaron Harris, Cliff, and, like, everyone bought the war- as the they came out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I think a handful of them made them out to the store, you know. That's but, funny. But it was like, that was the kind of place it was. And it was also, it wasn't just in Boston and Cambridge. It was in New Hampshire. Yep. And, like, the Cape had one. And um, I want to say there was one in Vermont, too, maybe. Yeah, and they and they like and zines and and like underground comics and stuff too. Like there was all that stuff there. Yeah, like, yeah. I think it's it sort of slowly got taken over by like more toys and shit yeah, like that. Like die. blow up furniture. And yeah, shit. definitely. I don't. I don't think it's the same. Well, I don't actually. A lot of that stuff doesn't even exist anymore. Like those zines. Yeah. Know? Like there used to be a zine called Your Flesh, which was um, catered more towards like the noise rock, like amphetamine reptile uh, touch and go uh, sort of scene from the nineties. Like, yeah. You know, I, I bought the first issue that I, you know, that introduced me to it at Newberry Comics. And they had, not only was it like a way for me to find out about all the stuff on AMREP, but it was like, I had a, there was an, like, it wasn't even an interview. It was like a piece about Cormac McCarthy, the writer. Yeah. And I was, you know, at the time, at the time he wasn't giving interviews. Right. So there was like this four page piece about him as a writer and what his, you know, what, he, what he's into, what his books are about. And I remember reading that and being like, oh, I got to check this guy out, man. Yeah. So like, I jumped on board of that. And that's something I feel like in general, like the zine is, is a thing that's like, it's like a dinosaur now. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, 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 it's a shame. It's one of those, it's one of those casualties of the internet, you know, like it's just that, that sort of, that kind of discovery doesn't exist anymore, you yeah. know? And, and it's, it's hard not to feel like it's less important or less special, you know, like going to, going to the record store and just, and combing, spending all day there, like combing through stuff, looking at the jacket, looking at who's in the band, reading the liner notes, like finding out where they're from, looking for other bands from the same city, like going and listening to them and like really actually doing like, <laughs> doing like research to try to yeah. figure this shit out. Totally. It was like, you felt like you had found something, you know, I remember, like listening to that on Broken 7 Inch, I was like, what the fuck? fuck is uh-huh. this and yeah. i like i remember calling up friends and and playing it over when i got <laughs> home like playing it through the phone like listen to this shit yeah. like this is amazing and uh that's just it's sort of it's 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 gone you know it doesn't really exist <laughs> yeah yeah there's definitely something to be said for that i mean and getting fly going to a show and and find getting a flyer for a show that was like next month and being like all right next month I'm gonna come back yep, yep. and come to this show. Yeah, and, and you see the it. other the other bands on the bill, and you maybe right. check, try to find them or read about them in a zine. It's actually, um, it's funny. Thrasher, they used to have those cassettes that they they used to used, when you buy Thrasher magazine, like you know, back you know a couple hundred years ago, yeah. you buy, <laughs> bought Thrasher. Sometimes for a while, it came in this like plastic uh, like mylar bag. Yeah, and there was a cassette tape stuck in there too. Yeah, I think what one of one of my like skate friends when I was a kid, yeah. like you know, had, we and we just played it until it died, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's how I found out you know, on one on one cassette there was Wool, Quicksand, and this band called the God Machine. Yeah. Okay. Now 
you know, quicksand, I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of theirs. Love quicksand. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain, I, I just, it's just not my trip, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And then uh, Wool didn't really feel it, you know. But this band, The God Machine, like, I got this cassette, there was a song in there. I went out and I bought the record. And then, like, about two months later, they came through town um, and played at the Middle East downstairs. And I went to the show. And it was like, you know, it was sold out. There it's was like, like fucking magic. people there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no one to that, no one had even heard of these guys. Yeah. And then like the following and year, they, are. they just disappeared, man. They were like one of these things where like for like eight months, they were a thing. And yeah. now no one even knows. When I say that name, no one knows who the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't know. What the it's like the craziest about. thing in the world. I have, I still have, I mean, I, I regularly listen to that record, man. And it's yeah. just like, it's just funny how stuff like. Like just flares up and then disappears and then fades away and you never hear from it again. Or if it's just like way too early for its time, you know, like those band, like I, like you, you're talking about um, uh, Cast Iron Hike. Yeah. You know, like that. I, I always, I mean, I tell Chris, like your, I, your band was just too early. You know, like you, <laughs> if your yeah. band was like a few years later, you'd be sitting in a hot tub. You know, like like it, it was, they just no one was ready for that type of band yet that type of like rock hardcore punk like i remember at the time everyone like i don't like the singing I'm like dude it's great see like, but the thing is though there was uh only a witness though it was like oh yeah very successful yeah and yeah i feel like that you know was like um you know kind of like they, I, they always i always felt like cast iron hike was like disciples of like only the Witness. sure totally totally you know they were like a couple years younger than like you know jonah and those guys right but for, for whatever reason, it, it worked for them, man. I yeah. don't know. Like, yeah. Maybe because they, they, they actually were a little bit more of a metal band and, like, you know, they were on Century Media as opposed to Victory. Yeah. Maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah. Know? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. But, yeah. The 90s. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the move to New York and the sort of opening of this, uh, you know, your your actual physical location, which I've actually I've actually closed. Oh, you have recently, yeah. Oh yeah. my god! Oh, really? Yeah, Ooh. yeah. So what's the <laughs> yeah. deal, man? What's the story? So, uh, I closed the store down because um, it costs a lot of money. Yeah. Okay. And like, like I mean, you know, New York City rent is fucking expensive. Yes. And uh. Even though I found a place where I got like a pretty a pretty good deal on the rent, it still it was so much money, you know. Um, and I was outgrowing the space, mm -hmm. and like, and my apartment was really expensive. Yeah. And yeah. I started like with with my my then fiance now wife. We started like I was stressing out like every every month. It was like I there was seriously every single month. It was like I I can't do this anymore. I gotta just I gotta have a fire sale, close this shit down like box everyone their shirts and send them to them like i can't do it it was like literally every month it was like i you know when it came time to pay pay all the bills yeah. i thought i was like i can't fucking do this and the stress sure. was just like wasn't sleeping it was oh, really man. it's it was really rough and uh because i mean contrary to what people might think because like you have a website and you got a bunch of shirts people are like oh man look at this company like they're they're rolling in it like yeah, yeah. you know I'm not rolling in anything it's I'm rolling in shirts but like 
you know, the, we sell a lot of stuff, but it all costs a lot of money. Sure. And, like, there's a yeah. million expenses. And, and once you start trying to run a legitimate business and, like, paying taxes to the mm-hmm. IRS oh, and everything, and tell like, me about it's it. so insane the amount of money that you just throw away every month on on just being legit. You yeah, know? getting jacked by the government, oh, basically. Oh, it's fucking crazy. Like, I don't know how anyone expects you to, to survive. Yeah, dude, the government is the biggest bunch of gangsters, like... They might as well put a gun to your head, just reach into your pocket and take cash out of it's it. It's unreal. Like yeah. it's unreal. Like when I, my accountant tells me what I have to pay, I'm just like, "Fuck, I, for what?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, just for like, like you know, for what? For selling shit on the internet. But yeah. like, so it was just, it was so much money that that and so much stress, and we just started looking at like, well, what are we spending every month? And we realized that the amount of money we're paying every month, we could we could actually afford to pay a mortgage on a house outside of the city. Oh, cool. So that's what we did. We, and I, I found a, I found, you know, combining all the, combining the rent I'm paying at the store, uh-huh. combining the rent we're paying at home. And, uh, so I, I found a, we found a, a house and it's got a big garage and I moved everything in there and it's just, it's a lot less stressful and I'm just doing it online right now. Nice. What town, what town do you do? Uh, it's, it's weird. It's a town called Cortland Manor, which is between, Peekskill and Croton. Okay. Like, but the town is like, there's not really anything in the town. Like, it's just this, it's like, we don't have a post office. So, like, you know, the the post office is in Peekskill, like one yeah. town over. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's north. It's like an hour north. That's, that's kind of my, uh, my, you know, when I was coming up as a young man, that's like where I grew up in the, that sort of area. Oh, really? Like, just like, like one county above Westchester. Yeah, yeah. County called Putnam County. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, Carmel, yeah. Carmel, New York. Yeah. Carmel. I call it Carmel. Right. Everyone calls it Carmel. Right. <laughs> it's on the border of Connecticut. So, um, for me, like when I was growing up, you know, Trash American style was, was in full force. I don't know if you've ever heard of that place. No, what? It was, um, a record store. That was like the epicenter of punk and hardcore and underground metal, and I heard about pretty much all the all the bands that really you know moved me. Um, I discovered through this guy Malcolm who ran the record store, and they were doing well, and they got jacked by their neighbor. There was like this printing company that was like you know not not like a cool printing company like right. doing silk screens or like, like art Xeroxing and, stuff. and shit like that. yeah like literally a company <laughs> yeah. that if you if you had like you know your report and you needed. A thousand copies bound. Right. You would take a disc to these guys, and they would, you know, they would they would run it off for you. So, the you know, he's been this this other company had been wanting to expand into Malcolm's space for like years. Yeah. So, you know, when it came time for a lease to be re-signed, he went to talk to his landlord. He's like, oh, I, I, you know, we're gonna rent we're gonna rent your space to the uh, the, the printing company, right? Because the guy had gone <clears throat> behind his back, and there was all the shady dealings. Yeah. I mean. You know, I had a candid. Con- I mean, I went. I showed up to the shop one day. I was driving up to Boston and to visit some friends. And I, I, you know, I was like, oh, you know, it's a Friday night, man. Let me see if I could spend some money at the record store. I stopped in there, and Malcolm's like, "Hey, man, uh, you know, put your email down on this piece of paper here. It's like I'm gonna have to reach out to you through the email through the internet now. And you know, we're gonna the, the shop's gonna be shutting down. And he kind of laid the whole story out to me, you know. And yeah. You know, he, he's a great, great guy, man. Like, he's just, like, you know, this sort of, like, uh, you know, hippie, like, very unique person, you know, into, like, all kinds of different stuff, knows about every type of music. He's a musician. He tours, you know, plays acoustic guitar. He's got acoustic and electric bands. He does everything. Record and, store guy. They're the best guys. Yeah, man. And, <clears throat> and uh, you know, 
like knowing him for however many decades I have has been just like such an enriching experience because, you know, just stop in there and, you know, you check out what you bought and he's like, oh man, you, you should check out this other record. Oh you know, yeah. You might like this band, yeah. Opal or whatever, you know, and I'm like, oh really? Oh really? You know, check this out, you know? And, um, it was such a great place. It's like they sold, you know, records, you know, beads, incense, like, <laughs> yeah. all, you know, just the whole trip, man. Yeah. It was such a great spot. And it was like in Danbury, Connecticut, which is like, you know, really nothing going on around there. Yeah, they're dying, those places. I mean, they're, I mean, they're, most of them are dead at this point. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's sad. I, I'm attempting to do a documentary about that. I mean, we shot... Uh, we went up there, my friend Kuro and I went up there and we shot some footage, some interviews with Malcolm and, uh, you know, that, that exists out there on, on the Everything Went Black YouTube page. And, uh, some, I want to finish up, I want to make like a documentary about this guy because he's like an interesting dude, you know? And yeah, I mean the, the impact that there was a, there was when I was, uh, like senior high school I think it was there was a a guy that used to work at the local record store where I grew up he opened his own record store uh and when he opened up there was finally a place of course it was like by that time I was I was I left home and I was living in the city but there was there was then a finally a, a record store that had underground stuff cool stuff and this guy and his name is Mike Barnes this guy that you know, he knew everything. You know, you would go in there, and like you said, it was the same kind of place. Like, you'd, you'd find something, you'd bring it up to the counter, and be like, oh, dude, you gotta check this out, you know? No matter what type, jazz, fucking yeah. black metal, like, yep. the dude knew everything. And he had, like, crazy obscure stuff in this in this little record store on Martha's Vineyard, you know, where, like, no one, like, you go in there, and I'm like, did you just order this so I could buy it? Because, like, there's <laughs> no one else here that's gonna buy this. Like, who else is gonna buy this dead guy 7-inch here, you know? So, like... He went out of business uh, last year, actually. Oh, it, was a, it was the same thing. Like, and you know, I wrote him an email, just like, I don't know if you realize how important you were to me and to every, like, so many other people that would just all these, all this music that people got into that literally changed their lives. You know, like guys I know that went on to start bands and everything. It's all because they went to the store and like got into all this music they would never know about if it wasn't for a guy like that. Like before you could just find it all on the internet. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's something that I think people are, are going to look back on and there's going to be a real void I think when all that stuff finally totally. is gone. One of the things I remember about Trash American Style is he had a Rollins band uh rug. It was like <laughs> it had like, you know, the the Rollins son yep with Rollins you know the logo and everything search and destroy the shirts yeah, the, shirts, <laughs> the search and destroy logo with like yep. the black you know and it was like a black rug and I was like where the fuck would you ever go and find something yeah. like that you know what I mean yeah it was pretty crazy man so just the one, one of the questions I have always about um, you know creative people sort of going into business like what was that transition like for you I mean you know you're like sort of an art artsy guy you know you're an artist you're creative but then like you know the actual running of a business coming from the sort of consciousness of being an artist and then suddenly you're like doing taxes and figuring out sales tax and you know paying fucking bills and shit like that so how did how was that transition for you i mean like whenever people ask me about that like i always i always tell i always say i don't know shit about running a business yeah (laughs) you know like i really i really don't um <clears throat> and then, of course, you know, well, you have your own business. You're running your own business for, you know, like seven years now. 
And I think it's just every every decision I've tried to make along the way is just like what would what would I want? You know, like and and I've had so many people I mean, first of all, like I'm I'm all that stuff like doing the taxes and the bills, I'm shitty at that. I'm terrible at that. I mean you you know how bad I am at getting back to emails. Like I, I got <laughs> yeah. I have like so many emails that like they're just I mean, I'm one guy doing, I'm like, I'm the janitor and the CEO, you know, like I'm like, I have to do everything. So there's like, there, there's just, I mean, my brain is just all over the place and, uh, I'm constantly juggling like a million things, but like, I've had people give me advice along the way about like, you should do this, like, or you should, you should make you should make this kind of clothing because, like, this yeah. stuff's really hot right now or, like, yeah. people love this or this stuff's so popular and, like, um, or, like, people with money like this so you should start selling this because people with money will want to buy it. Like, this, you know, like, if if you're an artist and you sell, you know, you, you're not selling paintings to other starving artists, you're selling paintings to rich people. So I get why people are, like, they that's their, they think that's the best thing to do is try, like, market to people with money if you want to make money. But I don't know how to do that because, like, I don't know... Yeah. And I just can't do it because, like, I don't make I don't make a lot of money doing what I do. I'm I'm lucky enough that I can survive off it. I can sure. pay my bills, and I don't have some shitty job that I hate. Like, I just have this job, um, so I'm I'm very fortunate in that regard. But I if if I was just doing it just to make money, I would I would fucking hate it. It would just be like it, I might as well just work some shitty job I don't like because. If I don't believe in what I'm doing, or if I don't think it has any integrity, like, then I, you know, I, I don't know what the point would be. And yeah. uh, I, so I just, I, I can't be disingenuous and make something that I think is like, well, they're gonna like this. You know, like, well, like the people with money will like this, and I have it, so there you go. Like, I, I can only make something that I think is cool. Or that I would want to see, or that I would want to wear. I mean, I think it's like making music. Like yeah, you, you make parallels to that, right. definitely. You write a record that you wish was out there in the yeah. world, not one that you think <laughs> is going to make you any money. It's funny how there are people out there that that would, you know, for whatever reason, mostly they're not engaged in the creative process, but they're the ones who sort of will give you suggestions along the way. Right, right. And it almost is like... <laughs> You know, it's almost like like some sort of narrative where you know this like demon comes down and give, tempts you with like something, you know, and they're like, "Well, okay, right, you know, no one's looking, so maybe I can do this thing." And then, yeah, but it never works, man, because it's like I like similar to you. If someone's like, "You should write a record that sounds like you know whatever, you know, fucking Madball or something right, like that," right? People need that shit up, I don't know how up, to man. do it, man. I don't know how to make that kind of music. And right. If I tried, I would sound like a guy trying to do that as opposed to someone exactly. who's doing it from, you know, their heart. You know? Yeah. And, and, and you're not going to make a lot of money anyway, you know, like, <laughs> so yeah, totally, like you know? what's, what's to be, what's to be gained there, you know, like, and I, I think all you can really do is just, you know, do something that you, that you believe in and just hope that people notice. And, and it's, and it's been like a really slow build and slowly, you know, you find people that it's just like finding friends, you know, like you find people that are interested in the same things you are and you just, you build these, like, I mean, we've got customers that have been buying stuff from us and like bought everything we've put out, you know, like that stick with us over the years, you know, yeah. and they're, and they're super loyal. Um, so it's like, 
I mean, that's the way I try to look at everything. It's just like, do I think this is cool? And if yes, I'm gonna, and I'm not, I'm definitely not always right. There's stuff that I'm like, this looks great. Like, these are gonna sell out in 10 minutes. And then I got like boxes of them sitting in the garage. But like, I mean, that's just, that's all you can do. And like, when I, when I started doing it and, and um, I just saw, I just saw a void. You know, I felt like there was like this, this doesn't exist. And I, and I wish, this company existed, so I just I'm gonna make it, you know. And I didn't do I'm, I say I, but I didn't I didn't do it on my own. Obviously, like I've had so much help from like all my friends, like and all these all all the artists that are on the website, all the bands, like I right. owe everything to them, and like, um, but yeah, and and I think I mean recently I started I started trying to make more clothing in the United States. Oh, I see. Okay, and. That's been really difficult. <laughs> it's like unbelievably difficult. Um, but again, it's something where I see I see there's a void. You know, like I I see like all these companies that are doing this like super high end, you know, super cool, made in America stuff that's just way out of price range yeah. for normal people. Yep. And they're making like you know, you'll see like a work coat or like a work jacket or work shirt or whatever, like the stuff that's sort of like reminiscent of like turn of the century factory workers. Like it looks right. like that kind of mm -hmm. old Carhartt type, like yeah, yeah, these, totally. this kind of clothing. And then it's like this jacket <laughs> that's like canvas work jacket, $390. Yeah. Like who the fuck? Yeah. Like, what? Like my dad oh, yeah. wouldn't wear a $390 Dude. jacket. Like, <laughs> yeah, that feeds into this whole thing, man, of like just this like weird, I mean, you see it around here a lot too with like in the, you know, the sort of microcosm of, you know, hipness that living in a place like Brooklyn, New York will, will, uh, expose you to, you know, there's, there's this like dudes that, you know, are, they're going for this like, you know, everyday man look, but sure, they don't look the like everyday an everyday man. man. Yeah. You know, exactly. they're like, you know, everything's studied. Super and, manicured and yeah. very well thought out. Exactly, and like, man. Yeah. And, and, and like, yeah, I, I have, I just have an issue with that. Like, I, I see these people romanticizing and championing, like, the common man. <laughs> and, like, like uh, that's not the common man. Like, that's not, that's not a regular guy who, like, I don't know. Like, I, like when you see, I know people that work with their fucking hands, that, yeah. like, work with cement and, yep. and rocks, and, totally. like, that's their job. And, like they see that shit and they're like, what is this? Like, oh, yeah. like, this isn't anything to glorify. This is just, this is just life for people. Yeah. And anytime I, anytime you have someone who's outside of that taking something and, and trying to taking like the, the aesthetics and the, the, the trying to take the authenticity of something and repackage it and sell it for a shitload of money. I just like, I just don't get it, and I and I and yeah. I don't wonder. I wonder why so many other people just jump on with it, like, "Oh, this stuff's great." I'm like, is it great? Like, is that like it's a status thing to look like you're poor? <laughs> I like to do um, a sort of like you know psychological study. I think on like you know that that sort of movement. You know what I mean? Because I yeah, I got theories about like emptiness and <laughs> you know like sort of devoid uh, lives. You know that help people gravitate towards those things where the external, you know, is sort of compensating for a lack of like, you know, maybe internal, you know, feelings or real experiences or yeah. something like that, you know? And what does this jacket say about me? Yeah. You, you know, know? <laughs> rather than just being like a good guy and, you know, doing your thing, like you got a, 
put on this like costume to show everyone that you're sort of this, I'm this type of guy this month and the next month right. I'm going to be the, the other kind of guy who does this. And I don't know where the person is amidst all that, you know, all that trappings and ornamental statements and things like that. Yeah. Know? And you'll see, I'll see dudes talking about pants like on the internet about like as if it were a motorcycle or a classic car you yeah. know like 13 ounce like selvedged <laughs> like chain stitching on the upper like what the fuck are you talking about yeah. like it's pants dude uh -huh. like those are pants yep. <laughs> like <laughs> i think i i mean i wear like you know the same i'll wear the same pair of pants for like two weeks sometimes you know <laughs> yeah i mean but it's like it's always like you know dickies or like you know some sort of like random pair of jeans or you know military like bdus or something like that like regular you know? shit you don't have to think about yeah it's a, you're thinking you know, about other things yeah i got yeah. other things on my mind exactly man. not my pants you know like paying my rent you know right. living in new york you know <laughs> right. making sure my cars get towed that kind of stuff and i understand like i understand wanting to have you know things that are well made and all that sure. and like and and i ethically and, and and you know for the economy like i totally like i'm and i'm trying to get more stuff made in the united states i'm like doing this whole thing but um I don't want it to be that, you know, I don't want yeah. it to be like, I, you know, overpriced so that people like me, if I can't afford it, I shouldn't be selling it to people. No, I agree. Definitely. So as far as like, uh, the just, there seems to be in the last couple of years, this like rise in, in solely internet based companies that seem to be successful, you know, and I, I see it just from a, from a different standpoint. Like, you know, there's like one of the companies I have an affiliate with on it labs who sell supplements and like, yep. You know, exercise equipment, and, you know, they do like some t shirts and stuff, but you can't buy their stuff in a store anywhere. Like, yeah. it's all mail order. Like, you can't get it at GNC or nope. anything like that. No, nope. yeah, you yeah. can only buy it from them. You yep. can only order from their website. Yep. You know, that's one company. There's also the Dollar Shave Club. I don't know if you ever heard of oh, that. Oh, yeah. I, I, I actually <laughs> I, I tried to order, like, the, the thing was out of stock that I wanted, so I have to, like, wait for it. But yeah. 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 I joined that shit right away, man. Yeah. Because why know? am I going to go to CVS and spend 25 bucks so I can shave three times? Yeah, know, dude, like, totally. I mean, that. it's the one of the best decisions I made in my life was yep. doing that, man. You know? Um, you know, like, there's all the Bulletproof products, which is, once again, they're all, you know, um, like, Bulletproof is, like, uh, Bulletproof Executive is, like, you know, coffee, uh, you know, collagen supplements, like, yep. you know, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, health-oriented you know, paleo lifestyle mm -hmm. like stuff. Once again, only available on the internet, you know? So that, that sort of is like the new paradigm, I think, is that, you know, you shutting down the, the brick and mortar shop um, and, you know, sort of moving into this, you know, consciousness of existing on, you know, virtually, you know? Yeah, it's that new, it's the new, you know, start American, start your company in your garage thing. Yeah. And like, if you don't have a lot of money and you don't, you know, but you've got a lot of passion for something, whatever it may be. And like, you know, you, that's the only way you can really do something, you know, like even, even I got to a point where like my business had been going for a few years and I had like steady customer base, but like just having that paying the rent every month on a space like that, it's just, it's, it's crazy expensive. And when you start thinking about like, what could I, what else could I do with this money every month? Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, it's, you could put that into your business in other ways. And like, I, you know, I, yeah, I think it's, it's people are starting businesses in their garage and just leaving them there <laughs> for the most part. Cause you don't, you, cause you can. Yeah. 
yeah. you can focus on your business and, and trying to grow it and expand and make it better than, you know, just stressing out about your bills every month, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, and also just, you know, different types of businesses. Like, some, you don't have to show up to an office these days, really, you yeah. know? I mean, people use Skype and whatever. I mean, obviously this is not, you know, maybe applicable to what you guys are doing, but... You know, there there is like the more of more of a general idea that the office mentality and the office lifestyle and showing up to one specific spot to do your work is sort of being evolved out of our society a little bit. You I mean, know? even think about a, a big office building and how much money that costs, like just to maintain, just like oh, the yeah. bills every mm-hmm. month and the energy and all that, and all these people that are going to come to this office from nine to five, five days a week. And then it's empty the rest of the time. And it's yeah. just sitting there. Yep. Like this huge space that's just empty. Yeah. And it's like, I, if you start adding up all that, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's such a waste of money and resources. Now, one of the other things I wanted to talk about was like a little, a while ago, you and I had like this little brief flutter of activity on, um, on Instagram about, uh, you know, and I wasn't aware that uh, it had, I think it was like around April Fool's Day or something like that. Oh yeah, the you affliction know? shirt that I put. Yeah, on. <laughs> and, and uh, I wasn't aware that that affliction had had been like um, pirating or ripping off some of the work that you guys are doing. Yeah, the, yeah, since 2011. Oh wow! So yeah. what, like, how did how, did you how did you find out about like I? Um, someone just you know that looks like a you know design that we did. And he's, oh yeah, affliction. You know how did that happen? Yeah, I how did I, I first found out about it? I think I just like randomly it might have been randomly through just like clickbait i just like clicked onto like i clicked on their website for some reason right and uh and then just started looking at it like oh look at all this corny shit sure and then um and then saw a couple started seeing a couple designs I was like wait a minute that looks like that looks like one of our shirts and then i saw another one and then i saw another one and then i saw another one um and yeah and not like you know, I mean, there's only so many ways you can put a skull on a t-shirt, but like not, it wasn't like, oh, these are this, it was, these are skulls and daggers and they put skulls and daggers in their shirts. It was literally traced. Like they literally taken the, the shirts. I don't know if they had bought them or if they just found images somewhere. Maybe they just pulled low res images and just blew them up and traced them. But like they literally took, took designs and like recreated them, redrew them, you know? Um, and you know, I try, I tried to, we, me and of uh, you know the, the friends of mine who whose art they had stolen, we tried to go go through like the proper legal channels to do something about it. Um, and some of the cases we were able to make stick, and some of them weren't. It's like this; it's this huge gray area where you it's really tough to prove this is our thing and these guys stole it. You know, yeah. it's, it, it, if they change it a little bit or they change it just enough, I mean, you or I can look at it and it's obvious. You right. see, you sure. see them next to each other, go, oh, you you've stole that right. you know like it's obvious that that's that you there's no way you made yours without staring at ours for hours and hours or, and tracing it it's just not possible it's the same composition it's the same thing but um unfortunately i wasn't able to really do much about it but they but we did go through like lawyers and everything to try to like just to get them to stop so i was like i don't want these guys just sitting there taking all our sure. designs and selling them and i thought that was the end of it and then I just randomly, it was a few months ago, just randomly went on their website again and found like five more designs. It was just like, and then other designs of, of people that I've worked with that had done stuff for other companies that they had stolen too, you know? 
And uh, so it's obvious that they're they're like on my website poaching stuff, and and on artists that I work with on their websites poaching their stuff too. Um, and they're they're still doing it, you know. Ugh. So I like made some Instagram posts and like, um, and that started like this crazy shitstorm of people just bombing their Instagram page they're, and like the affliction one. Yeah. Okay. Good. Like, and they they ended up had they had a. It was actually kind of it was satisfying. Like, I mean, when I, when I saw that they were still doing it. I got so pissed for yeah. like an hour, you know? And so I made these posts and tagged them in it. And then like fans of ours started just bombing them and like, just like <laughs> posting all this shit on their Instagram, calling them thieves, telling people like, if you want to see the real, the original of this, check out, oh, you wow. know, tagging the artist and everything. Um, to the point where they were, they just had to delete their photos. They were like going there. Someone was frantic. There's some intern frantically at Affliction going, <laughs> going in and deleting all these photos and like wow. doing damage control like all day. And then it got to the point too where there was like people that were like supporters of us that were like, "You faggots!" And I'm like, "Dude, don't don't do that. Like, I don't want like that that's not supporters of want. you guys. That yeah, were, like oh, people, calling them. Yeah, like okay, Affliction. Right. I'm like, don't. I don't want. Yeah, that's not what I no, want. No, you know, no, like that's not. don't <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. Um. But, you know, they ended up blocking, like, a million people. They blocked me. And then they, they had, it was one of, someone from their, their legal representation emailed uh, one of the artists that I work with. And I don't know what became of it. And I had all these people telling me, like, you should sue them. You know, like, I know a lawyer. What? And I was like, I don't want to, I already went through this. I don't want to. money. Right. Know, I don't have the resources. money to do it. And I also don't have the time sure. to do it. I'd rather just make more stuff, yeah. you know? Like, it, I'm not the first one that's had stuff stolen from them. This is, like, an old, old, <laughs> old story. Like, this this is what these companies do. You know, they, they go and they find other stuff that people don't know about, and they steal it. It's just it's just how it is. Have, have any other, like, like gear company? Like, Affliction's not a gear company, first of all. Right, and I remember when we, we, we were talking about this, yeah. about... I had mentioned tap out and affliction in my like you know my <laughs> April Fool's post, and yeah. I was poking fun at affliction and tap out. Um, and affliction, they're definitely different. I know that they're different. They're, they're different. like a lifestyle, right? They're bullshit. They're not yeah. anything. Tap out actually makes gear for you know like yeah. for, for for training and all that. And the martial arts, yeah. are like totally. So like I, I probably unfairly had like roped them in with a with affliction, um, but. Uh, Affliction is it's it, they're not they're nothing they don't they don't stand for any sort of culture you know that they're they're not they're not uh, celebrating or or supporting any culture in any way they're just making shitty shirts that are sort of like derivative watered down versions of other things like metal and punk and whatever tattooing all that stuff. Actually, I remember a few years ago there was um, I think they they might not even have licensed these but. I saw, like, in the back of Decibel, they had um, Slayer and Megadeth t-shirts they were making, too. Yeah, they started doing, like, like band, band shirts. shirts. Yep. It's crazy. Punk right? bands and stuff, too. Like, I saw that, you know. And that was, I mean, like, obviously, I don't know if they saw that, like, I was doing band shirts. The Shirts and Story was doing that. And they were like, hey, we could do this, you know. Or, if, I mean, that's not an original idea, obviously. No. But, like, but I don't know. But, yeah, and I and I think, you know... Those, those bands are probably they don't give a shit <laughs> they're probably not even making that decision if they're a merchandising company yeah you know? I think that probably they just looked at that as like another you know because like that was you know those huge package tours happen every summer like you know sure. Mayhem and Summer Slaughter and all that sort of stuff and I think they probably just looked at that as like another in income stream that they could possibly exploit yeah 
But uh, yeah, I, I remember seeing that. And I was like, wow, this is real weird, man. And like, Mike Mike Valelli, I think is uh, is endorsed by them. So embarrassing. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that was a bummer. Because... So embarrassing. Yeah, I saw that video where they like they had him like oh, pretending he was at a, a show, like jumping off a stage weird, with man. a mic that w- with no crowd and shit. I was like, what the fuck is like, dude. Yeah. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> and like Mike V is someone I look up to, man, or did, yeah. or whatever, you know. And like, I that really bummed me out. I was yeah. like, damn, man, affliction, really. And like, you know, but I at the same time, like, I get it, you know, like they they like the guy wants to make some money, you know, like I mean, he's probably he's he's a guy who's probably you know not made as much money as he should given his talent and abilities his whole life. You know, there's probably not a lot of ways that guy can make. I don't know. I mean, I get it. You know, I get it why someone would be like, hey, we're going to give you X amount of dollars if you just, like, wear this fucking T-shirt. And, like, yeah, okay, I'll do it fine, you know. But at... at, at yeah, but where does it end, man? You know? Yeah, I mean, it's it comes like, it comes at a cost, though, you know? Like, yeah. and, and, you know, I, I guess that, what's important to you, you know? Yeah, that's that's really a drag, man. And, and, like, I don't know, like, I guess anyone out there... Get rid of your affliction shirts. I don't think we have too many of those guys in this audience here, but, uh, you know, support a company that actually does something cool and cares about something, you know? You know what they are? They're like, they're like the Nash skateboard. Remember, like, <laughs> na- like remember if the kid would show up to the skate, skate shop with, like, a Nash? Yeah. And, like, like, what do you do? Do you throw rocks at him and tell him to fucking go home? Like, no, you pull him aside and you go, like, hey, like, you should get, like, a, or like a real skateboard and like that's not like it's cool that you're into skateboarding but like that's that's like a bullshit skateboard like get a real one that's made by skaters for skaters like yeah you know like I, like I think if people I think of people who buy those shirts if they knew what that company really was and that it was just like this vulture po- poaching off of other people yeah they wouldn't want to support it you no, know definitely but it's you know, it's it's in the mall and it's easy and it's right there. Yeah, like unfortunately they they, they um you know they sponsor a couple of MMA fighters like high level guys like Shane right. Velas- uh, Kane Velasquez is uh, endorsed by them and you know GSP whatever. So people want to associate them affliction with with people like that. Right, of course. You know yet, but that, you know like a company like Tap Out have been around since day one and they started out just like any other you know like real like super punk in a lot of ways right. like just. Right. Making gear, showing up at, at these events and selling them and then building from there. And actually, um, I think it's the, I think it's 10th Planet Jiu Jitsu HQ in LA is actually in the tap out gym. Yeah. So they have like a facility and all this other stuff. I mean, they're, they're like, that's a company that walks the walk. You yeah. Know? Like they're, like they're involved with the culture that they're, you know, making money in. You know, yeah. that's that. And, and, you know, that's, a company like Affliction, all they're doing is exploiting shit. You know, that's that's it. <laughs> that's all they do. Yeah, totally, man. So you got any uh, anything interesting coming out soon? Any uh, stuff you guys are working on? Yeah, I mean, like like um, I mentioned, like all the the stuff we're making in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. That's like an offshoot of Shirts and Destroy. That's like an, a, a sister brand called True Black. Um, and I I the first stuff came out uh, last fall, and. Uh, the idea originally was to have it be all American made and it's it, it was really 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 hard and really expensive to try to do that the first time around so I reluctantly had to have some stuff made overseas because it's just I mean if you want to find out how hard it is to get certain things made in this country just try to do it and see 
how many roadblocks are in your way, and then if you want to do it overseas, if you don't have a ton of money to invest or a ton of experience, like, I don't know anything about the clothing industry, you know, like, yeah. I sell t-shirts, like, I don't know anything. So, like, if you're an outsider who's trying to get into that sort of world, it's it's a really, really tough world to break into. And, you know, you can go to a company that's making stuff overseas, and they'll do it for, like, a tenth of the price, and they'll just walk you, walk you through the whole process. You can send them a picture. I want this, and they'll just make it for you, you know? So, like, so the first season, I had to, I had to do some of that stuff, and every... Every penny I made from that first season of stuff has all gone straight back into manufacturing, and uh, everything we have coming out is all under True Black is all made in the United States. Um, I've got just tons of stuff that's that's being made right now. I'm getting like product samples and everything sent in. So it's all being made. It should be out um, like three weeks, four weeks. Oh wow! Okay. But yeah, so the the idea is I'm trying to do stuff that's really well made that's ethically made that's made in the United States that isn't unaffordable that's that's priced for like regular people you know like a nice shirt that's not a $300 shirt you know so what is this you know basically like what kind of what kind of uh, products like what sort of clothing well I'm just I like I'm as I'm getting older like I, I definitely wear less t-shirts with fucking skulls and snakes on them <laughs> you know like I'm just you know like I, and I I feel like I've got to sort of uh, grow a little bit, like with what yeah. I'm doing, and uh, so I'm just doing uh, this. This first stuff that's coming out is just I just have like these two different hats, like they're a baseball hat and a camp hat, um, and just some button-down shirts, um, hoodies, and more t-shirts and long sleeves, stuff like that. Like it's and belts too. They're all all U.S. Oh, cool. made. So I'm like. I'm I'm growing it slowly, you know, but I'd like to do like jackets and jeans and more stuff like that. Um and I don't know, like I'm coming at it as like I hate buying clothes. Like I I can't stand it. Me too. And uh, the, the last time I went, I I, I go buy clothes once a year. Like I'll go I'll go take like 200 bucks, go to H&M and get like all the clothes I need for a whole year for 200 bucks. Yeah. And that was actually what made me want to do this is uh-huh. last spring I went to H&M and bought I bought, like, a shit ton of clothes, like, all this stuff. I had, like, three weddings to go to. I got, like, suit for a wedding and, like, shirts for these three weddings and, like, all this stuff. Shoes, jackets, all this shit. And it was, like, 200 bucks of these huge bags of clothing. And I left there, like, and I'm sure a lot of people leave there thinking, like, leave a store like that. And they think, like, oh, man, I got it. Like, look at all the stuff I got for 200 bucks. I just felt dirty. It's like, look at all this shit I got for no money. And, like, I don't feel... When I look at the tag, it says made in Bangladesh. Like, I don't feel good about that. Sure. You know, yeah. like, like, oh, this shirt costs 12 bucks. I'm like, 12 bucks? Like, that's nothing. So, like, I wanted to do, and the other side of the spectrum is, like, I'm not going to go buy a $400 shirt, you know, from one of these companies. Uh, so I'm trying to fill this void that I think uh, that's there that I think, you know, people would, people, I'm, like, again, I'm trying to do something that I think someone like me would like. That's well-made stuff. That's ethically made. That's made in the United States. That doesn't cost an arm and a leg. That that costs more than something's going to cost at like an H and M, but it's not going to be out of price range. It's something you can buy and feel good about. You yeah, know? that's something I can get behind too, man. Because I hate, I, I buy I buy almost everything. I order a mail order online. Everything. Yeah, and it's like most of the time it doesn't fit me right because right. I don't, I'm not going to go into a store and try anything on. Man. It's the that's worst. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's dude. the worst. That's why I just ordered some shorts. I tried them on. They were too big. But I'm like, oh, 
Oh, this works. Yeah. It's cool. I'll just stretch them out. Yeah, they're they're just they're falling off me, man. I'm like, I'll, I'll pin it or something, you know. And yeah. It's just like, but I'm not going to a store to try anything on ever. Yeah, it's I'm terrible. Not not doing it. And so I always guess at how you know what size I am based on like you know whatever whatever some feeling I have. Yeah. And then like I get it, and half of the time it fits, half of the time it's too big or it's too small, or. I, or I ordered these shorts from Thailand one time, and they were like extra large, but they were fucking tiny, man. Of course, yeah. They're like si- like waist was like size thirty or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and That's definitely not. I'm not a size thirty. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know. but, yeah. Uh, so I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, so I'm I'm trying to do like really I'm trying to do good sizing charts too for that yeah. stuff, so I can avoid that as much as possible because I hate that. You know. Um, yeah. That's awesome, man. That's cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I, it's 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 crazy how. It is. I mean, there's a reason why, like, why we are just so far behind with our manufacturing in this country, especially for clothing. You know, it's like, it's, it's really expensive, and it's it takes it, it's tough. It's really tough to get into unless you really know that industry. It's really hard to like break into it. You know, but I feel like it's worth it. You know, to try to like to do something that's, yeah. that's not just, you know, really cheap made, really cheaply made stuff that's obviously exploiting people of a certain area. Yeah, like the iPhone, oh, Mac, yeah. Macintosh products. Yeah, that like, I, like that, that's the thing is like, I, I, and I'm trying to like, I, I guess I'm trying to prove a point too that like, that you can do this, that like this, it's possible to do this this way. It doesn't have to be one way or the other. It doesn't have to be dirt cheap and from, you know, Bangladesh or China or whatever. And it doesn't have to be crazy expensive and and from the United States. Like I feel like it's gotta be possible somewhere in the middle. And like you look if I can do it with no money, then there's no excuse like for I mean Apple, like they like would you I'd pay three dollars more for my phone if it was made in the United States. Yeah. You know? Actually like, that's that's something that uh, a lot of people, that's a big discussion with people is, uh, you know, how much money they're actually saving by, like, you know, getting these, uh, these elements, metals and whatnot from these other countries. And if it was a matter of pay, I'd even pay $40 more. Of course. You yeah. know, and, and, cause, you know, my, my iPhone I've had for a couple of years. I mean, as long as you keep that thing, like, you don't need to buy a new one every year, man. I yeah. Mean, I know I, that's I don't the, get that either. that's the marketing plan is to yep. like, oh man, the newest latest is out. Yeah. You know? I want to run mine into the ground, dude. Yep. It's like, you know, I, I have no interest in buying a new one as long as I keep it updated and yep. everything works. I can get from place to place and check I'm my email. But um, so I wouldn't mind throwing down and, and actually getting something, pay a little bit more money and have the sort of consciousness that I'm not exploiting someone or someone's not jumping off the roof because they they can't work another 16-hour shift, you know? Yeah, and I and sadly, it's... It really is up to us. I mean, it's up to the people that are buying this stuff. That that's that's where all the responsibility lies. Because the billionaires at the top of the pyramid, who could you know they could make everything in the United States anyway and just have like one less G four jet or like one <laughs> less mansion and yeah. they'd be okay. Like they're not going to do it. They're only going to respond to what people are buying. You know, that's that's it. Yeah, man. So anyway, dude, thanks for coming out tonight. Thanks man. so much for having I me. I really, it. I really appreciate it. So, uh, what, uh, what's all the social media places people can find you on the internet? 
Uh, I'm so like I'm so lazy with that. Like I pretty much just Instagram. That's like the only That's thing it. I can be bothered to use. Uh, I mean, the website is shirtsanddestroy.com. The True Black uh, website is trueblackinternational.com, and uh, on Instagram, it's just uh, there's a Shirts and Destroy Instagram, and then I have my own where I post other stuff like more artwork updates and just uh, like other other things that I don't post on the Shirts and Destroy one. That's just uh, Ryan Begley my Instagram. You don't do uh, Twitter or anything like that? I did for a while, but I just, I, I couldn't stand reading other people's tweets. So yeah. I just like, just, it's like going through an ocean. <laughs> yeah. It's like bullshit. So yeah. I just, I have one. There's one for shirt. There's shirts and destroy, but it's shirts and destroy because shirts and destroy was taken. But I, I, I barely ever use it. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's funny. That's, um, I feel like it's almost one or the other sometimes. I mean, it's like people are really into your Twitter feed or they're really into your Facebook feed. It's not really, it's very rare that it's like two equal things really going on, you know? Yeah. And I like, I, there's been times where I'm like, all right, I gotta be better about this. And I gotta be like on this more. And I'm like, I just, I, I got other stuff to do <laughs> to, yeah. to like, you know, I, I don't know if, if people, if people are going to find us, they're going to find us, you know? Yeah. I just got uh, the last couple of weeks, you know, actually the last month or so I've been busy with, um, you know, doing press for the new Tombs record and, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, PR people are always interested in like, well, you guys should have more Instagram More social media and, presence. Yeah, you, know, you got you to post more stuff on Facebook and all this other stuff. So it's kind of like, you know, that stuff's in the back of my mind these days is like, you know, yeah. presence and, you know, having a long arm to reach people and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think about that too, and I totally—it's totally—I I understand people with short attention span. You need to like keep, keep people's interest, but it's also like, I don't know, like <laughs> sometimes there's just too much data out there. Yeah, there's too know? much noise, and you just yeah. feel like you don't want to add more to it. You know? Yeah, I don't know. I meant to ask you: Are you, are you still vegetarian? Like, because you—I'm—I'm I'm not. Like, I—it's I, weird. I went through this phase. I started eating. Uh, I was vegan for like, like nine years, and then you know, fell off that. And, uh, just because, I mean, I still, I still think that that's the right thing to do ethically. I think eating vegan and vegetarian as much as you can and eating as much local real, I mean, I, that's such like, it's become such a, like, you know, Portlandia joke, like, oh, is this local? Which is too bad because they, people have sort of spun that to be this like elitist and like hipster thing, but it really is super important to, for so many reasons to, to just eat regular food <laughs> that's yeah. not that's not you know brought in from across the world on a barge like why why do that when you can <laughs> you can buy you know apples that are 10 times better have more nutritional value and that are at your local you're supporting your local farm stand you know so i i mean i try to eat as 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 much vegetarian as possible but i I went through this phase where I was just like, I'm going to eat whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> so I was, I was eating meat for a while. Um, but I've sort of like backed off on that and I'm, I'm, it was like a phase. I think I'm mostly, I mostly eat vegetarian and I eat fish too. I just, I crave protein all the time. Like eggs, like crazy Dude, every day. I'm a protein monster, man. I don't know what it is. Like yeah. I just, I need. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're omnivores and, uh, you know, it's, uh, part of our, I mean, we can, you know, thrive on a vegetarian diet, but also there's a certain, you know, there's certain fats that you can only get from animals that, yeah. you, that are essential, you know, essential fats that you need, you know, certain vitamins, certain things that only come from you know, animal protein. And you feel it, you know, like, oh, I, yeah, like, man. You, like I, and I, uh, I never, if I have like good, good fish, 
Yeah. I feel awesome <laughs> after I eat like a good piece of fish. Oh yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I embrace the caveman dude. Like I, you know, I'm all about, do you do the butter and the coffee thing? You know, it's funny you mentioned that. Yes, I do. What's you, the deal with that? that? What? Well, all right. The story with that is that, um, there's a guy named Rob Wolf. Okay. And he's, st- he's like a paleo, uh, you know, guru from back in the day. And his original recipe was, uh, was like, you know, some sort of grass fed. I think it was yak butter yeah. and tea blended okay. together. Okay. And it wasn't so much about the actual tea, but it was, a, it was about the essential fats. Now, when you have regular butter versus grass fed butter, you know, or, or uh, an animal that's, that's raised, that's eaten only what it's intended to eat, you know, yep. like, you know, cows eat grass, not you know, corn, not <laughs> corn, yep. you know. So, you know, the animal's healthier. The fats are, are, are the healthy fats for yep. you. And, uh, the whole coffee, butter, oil, you know, MCT oil, coconut oil, butter, or, you know, coffee blended sort of thing has to do more with, uh, burning, burning, um, fat as opposed to burning sugar. It's called, uh, having a ketogenic lifestyle. So it gets your body in the burning fat mode. Yeah. So, you know, burning essential fats as opposed to burning starches. So if, when you, when you're ketogenic, you actually don't need to eat any starch at all, like bread or any of those things. Rice or, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I eat a little bit of rice here and there, but for the most part, I eat vegetables, you know, animal protein and fat. And that's pretty much all I eat, you know, and it's like, and the fat, if you're ketogenic, your actually your energy levels stay really consistent throughout the day. Yeah. Um, and you don't have those like peaks and valleys where if you're eat if you're eating a starch heavy diet with a lot of grains and you know, you, you, you spike with the sugar and then you hit crash. You crash. Yeah. So man, I mean, for me, I've been doing this for about a year and it's like my energy levels are pretty consistent. Like I have, you know, first thing in the morning I'll have coffee with like the butter and the MCT oil and I won't eat until I won't even be hungry until like two. Yeah. And then I usually do like a kickboxing training at like at 12 and then I'll eat at two and then around six o'clock I'll go to jujitsu. And then after that, that's when I, you know, I have a nice meal. But I only eat like two meals a day almost. Yeah, that, that's that's really similar to what I've been doing the past year. But instead of the jujitsu and all the exercise, it's like emails. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you're, you know, you're probably like picking stuff up or whatever, you know. Like yeah, occasionally, up, yeah, yeah, a box or two of shirts. Yeah, but I mean, I think for me, I think it's a it's a good lifestyle. Um, some people take it too far. I mean, like I eat sweet potatoes and, and rice here and there. Um, you know, you got to keep your eye on, on just like, you know, your, your, your cardiovascular health. And if, if you're not exercising, maybe that might not be the best thing, but I mean, I have a pretty, you know, daily, pretty intense, like, you know, I'm working out a lot all, you know, daily, you know? So I feel like I got a handle on that. And you're burning it. So yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, and it seems to work. Cause I know like when, before I, I started doing this and I was eating, you know, like a lot of rice, you know, there'd be bread here and there, you know, and, um, I, I just wouldn't have consistent. I'd have to eat a lot more to get my energy levels where I needed them to be, you know. But yeah, that's um, that's like a big. I mean, you probably you brought it up, so I mean, I imagine you know people that are that are involved that are drinking the sort of coffee, bulletproof yeah. style coffee. Yeah, I mean, I I just I know people that that do it, but I've never really. I, I don't know why, you know. I just said, yeah. oh, yeah, it's this paleo thing. I do this, you know. So I'm like, all right, that's. I, but I never understood why that was, what it was about yeah. that. 
It, is butter that in, is that is butter in your uh, in your? Yeah, I I mean I I eat eggs every morning. Okay, and I usually I usually cook. I usually have uh, like two fried eggs like in butter, you know, like in a little bit of butter. Yeah, but, grass fed uh, butter. Uh, yeah, my my <laughs> wife works at like a sustainable farm okay, institute, awesome. so she gets like cool. the good shit. Like nice. we get we get the eggs you don't have to refrigerate. Great, sit them, they stay on the counter, Excellent. super fresh. You know, she knows the chickens. Nice. Like it's like yeah. So I eat, I eat so much better because of her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Dude, I think also, you know, because I, I, I always tend to, you know, go to the darker places. You know, I think like, you know, I swear that I think that there's a conspiracy about fat and butter and bacon and all that sort of stuff. Oh, I think, of course. You know, I think that low the low-fat diet is actually the reason why there is this like, you know, the wave of Alzheimer's disease, you know. Yeah. Your brain is is made out of fat. Like your brain is, is saturated fat, literally. Well, I mean, with with that sort of information too, it's like the, the people that are the people that are paying to get propaganda out about food are the ones that are making money off food. So yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, also, I mean, like you know, going back to sort of like primitive, you know, man. I mean, I I don't want to come off like one of those crackpots who's like you know, caveman type of guy, but there's a lot to be said because our physiologies are the same as when we were, you know living off the land as hunters and gatherers, you know, but I don't, you know, once again, you know, irony, like we talked about Portlandia, we briefly, you know, I hate irony because I think irony destroys or, or sort of trivializes a lot of great things. For example, uh, local farming and all this other stuff. I mean, it's funny. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, it's funny. You know, I'm one of those organic you know, grass-fed local guys. But the thing is, that's a fucking good way to live your life. Man. Of course, and then and as soon as be- as soon as it becomes like a punchline or becomes a Saturday Night Live skit, yeah. then like people they don't want to. You know, and I mean, who th- there's certain certain jokes and and stereotypes like that that get behind something like that, and you're like, well, who's behind the curtain trying to trying to turn like look at these crackpots that are into this crazy shit? It's like, well, it's not. It's not crazy. Like this, this is the right thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, it started with organic because, like, the thing is, organic farming is the way they used to farm. Of like, there's not that's not like some brand new yeah. idea. That's yeah. like for thousands of years, people were farming organically with like you know something that wasn't going to destroy the soil and you know sustainable. But suddenly, it's like when you say organic. I mean, a few years ago, I remember, you know. The sort of old school people would would be like, or oh, organic. Does that mean like you know that you know the chickens are like hanging out and like eating you know their own shit or what does that mean? You know, it's like well, it means like a chicken's eating what's supposed to eat. It's right. pecking and like wandering around. It's all just of, common sense. Yeah, it's just common sense, and I think that that's like you know, and then of course like you know the sort of like you know smart you know intellectual comedy that comes out there that uses irony to sort of make fun of people who embrace that. Yeah, there's stereotypes. There's like that lost, empty person who wants to latch on to the, the new thing, the new buzzword. They want to like, you know, buy like the, what's that denim, you know, that you put in the refrigerator? What is that? Oh, yeah. 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 Because you don't wash it, so you're fucking <laughs> yeah, hanging yeah. out in this like, yeah. like Petri dish of bacteria for yeah. like, you know, days on end or whatever. Yeah. With things like that, I always try to think like, what is, what would your dad say if he saw you right now? Like, yeah. Hey asshole, what the fuck are you putting your pants in the freezer? Exactly. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. But you know, that sort of humor though, like, you know, the Portlandia humor will, will sort of like, 
poke fun at like people who are interested in in living that lifestyle. But meanwhile, it's like I think that's ultimately a negative thing because it's sort of people who aren't maybe aren't as enlightened would look at it as like this kind of like you know oh yeah it's one of those guys with the mustache and like. Right. You know, wearing like the $300, you know, workman jacket and everything. And, you know, although that's for those people, but it's not it's for everybody. Right. You know, and I think that like if people could shop more at farmers markets and like really pay attention to, you know, where they get their nutrition from, I think that in general people will be a lot happier and would actually save money because when you buy like your stuff directly from the farmer, <clears throat> you know, at a farmer's market or if you, you know, you're in some sort of, uh, <clears throat> what's, what's that called? The, um, the fucking thing where they bring you a box of groceries. Oh, CSA. The CSA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're actually saving money, man. You know, and it's not like you're spending, like, you know, it's not like you're going to Whole Foods and handing over, like, you know, $300 a week, you know? And I just think that that, that a level of awareness needs to be maintained and not, you know, ridiculed, you know? Yeah, it's it's too bad that that's, that's sort of become a punchline, you know, that, that, that it's, and that people also see it as, like, this elitist yeah. thing, you know, and it's... It's it's not like it's it, it's actually the opposite of of elitist. You know, it's actually trying to be responsible for normal, regular, everyday working people. You know, it's trying to support people that have the hardest job in the world, which is farming. Oh yeah, you man, know? totally. I mean, you know, our government doesn't make it easier on farmers either. Of course, they subsidize corn. Yeah, and and you see, you see those corn syrup. <laughs> they were doing the corn syrup PSAs for a while. It was like the, corn, you know, whatever, the National Corn Council or fucking whoever. These ads that were like, corn syrup's not so bad. Like, it's made from corn. How bad could it be? Like, it's okay to have corn syrup. Like, it's not. It's fucking toxic. Yeah, and, and, totally. the, and the thing is, if we if you had a tiny bit of it, if you had a soda, like, once a month or whatever, that'd be one thing. But when it's in everything yeah. you buy. Mm -hmm. Everything. Like, Bread. Everything. Yeah. I saw I saw a loaf of bread one time and I was looking through the you know there was like a you know 500 ingredients in it yep. you know and the last time last thing I checked it was like bread is made out of water flour you yep. know stuff yeast. like that yeast <laughs> yep. you know this had like every all these like chemicals in it and of course high fructose corn syrup yep. it's like why the fuck do you need that in bread dude it's probably crazy. because it needs to make you know like a, a 700 thousand mile trip and it needs to last for like three months on a shelf because it's just going to sit there. Whereas you went to, a, if you go to a farmer's market and you buy bread that's baked fresh, it's, it doesn't need all these preservatives and all these extra ingredients and all this like, like that subway chemical they found oh, like, in the bread yeah. to like keep it soft. Yep. Like, well, if the bread didn't have to hang out for like three months, then, <laughs> yeah. then you wouldn't need all that shit. Also, you know, it's funny being, you know, coming from a vegan background, like, you know, vegans, you know, to any vegans out there, man, you know, Namaste, man. You know, it's cool. I'm, I'm down with whatever trip you're into. But, like, there's definitely those out there who are, like, that's their identity. You know, the same way, like, that's that's their, their fucking, you know, their thing, man. And, like, there are people like that. Like, when you go to the Meat Hook or something like that, you know, they're, like, you know, they want you to know they shop at the Meat Hook. That they yeah. are, you know, grass-fed, you know. I fuck around with CrossFit, you know, like maybe like, you know, I did the workout of the day just before I came here, like that kind of thing. You know, and that's cool, man, but like fucking dial it back a little bit, man, you know? Yeah, I, I think also like there with, with any with any school of thought like that, there's there's also there's exceptions to it and there's also it's not it's not an airtight uh, philosophy to go by to just be vegan. You know, like I I think I think eating a mostly vegan diet is definitely a, a, 
a, a really good thing for for a million reasons. But you know, if you're if you're buying uh, if you're buying like some prepackaged like fake meat bullshit that's like Sketchy. wrapped in plastic, yeah, that's been sitting in plastic for months, that's got God knows what in it. You know, all this like gluten and corn oh, yeah. syrup and sugar and uh -huh. all this shit, like. You're not, you're if you're try, if you're using that for protein, you're much better off going and getting eggs from a local farm that are fresh. The chickens are raised humanely. They have pasture to graze in. Like there's nothing. They're not being treated poorly, and you can still have protein that's much healthier and better for the environment and for you. Actually, you know, you know what? Just to speak to the egg egg eaters out there. Um, you know, oftentimes I, I do quite a bit of traveling um, in my uh, my line of uh, work here. And uh, if you're ever in a pinch and you want to have something, eggs are the way to go. Because even though they might not be quote-unquote organic eggs, like the fact that the egg has gone through the chicken's like, you know, reproductive system, most of the sort of, you know, toxins or bad things in, in, the, in that are, are been filtered out by the time the egg makes it to your plate. So it's like... Eggs get a pass if they're not organic or, you know, whatever. I mean, it's like, it's, it's probably a good, it's a good protein source if you're like in the middle of like, you know, if you're in like Indiana or something like that and you, you want to have some food, but you don't have any options. If you're like at a diner somewhere, that's probably a good thing to, to turn to, you know. But, uh, yeah, man, that was a good little discussion we had on food, man. You know, it's something that's important to me. I'm going to, I'm going to look into more of that, uh, the fat in the in the coffee oh, fat yeah. caffeine mix thing. Yeah, yeah that's I start my day off every day with that, man. Yeah, I, I do coffee and eggs every morning, but I, I yeah, I want to I want to I want to look into the, the the butter natural fat better. That's yeah, do some reading on it, and yeah. um, if you know, it, the taste is is like it's pretty fucking. Yeah, I've insane, never tried it, man. dude. It's it's really 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 good. Yeah. I mean, I do um, you know, coffee, uh, you know, a, you know, not not a crazy amount of butter. And like two two uh, tablespoons of MCT oil, and blend it in my blender, and um, and it comes out like this like rich, like frothy and stuff. Yeah, it's like a latte or something nice. like that. But you know, without it's not you know, it's not it's not a latte, but it's like right. it's pretty awesome. And uh, you know, I usually go with like uh, you know some kind of like South American high altitude coffee. You know, now now I'm starting to sound like one of these fucking. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the higher the altitude, the, and if it's like, uh, you know, wet processed, like that kind of stuff cuts down on the sort of toxins and molds. So that's like another thing to be concerned with, too. But there are some people that would lead you to believe that their particular blend or their particular roasting methods are better than others. But most high end, when I, when I say high end, I mean like not buying like chock full of nuts. No offense to chock full of nuts, but if you. Stay away from like the pre-ground vacuum pack coffee, and you get like a, a, a good whole bean coffee. You know, it's single source. You're gonna be fine. But there are people out there trying to pull the wool over your eyes and sell you some snake oil. You got to be careful of those people. I'm not gonna mention any names. It's amazing how what the taste is too. The difference between like you get whole beans, organic whole beans, grind them yourself, and then brew it. How yeah. much it's like. Yeah, it's yeah, man. Totally different. It's it's that's the real deal, man. Yeah. Like French press, you know. Yeah, that's the best part of the day every day. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's by far the wake up, cup of coffee, relax, and then get get ready to do your thing. It's like awesome, you know. 
So anyway, thanks, Ryan, man. We had a good, good time. Thanks so much, Mike. I appreciate and, uh, it. And, you great. know, once again, if anyone out there, just quick shout out to, uh, Dots of Sara and on it, uh, check those guys out. And, um, you know, if you do, do me a favor and go through my portal on the everything with blackmedia.com website. And, uh, I'll see you guys out there. Take care.